Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So how many straight weeks of Star Trek have we gotten now? You know, between Discovery and Prodigy, it's been like a a lovely few weeks of Star Trek and it's going to continue into the foreseeable future. And we're going to talk about it here on Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, as always, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, are you ready to talk some Trek today? I am, because, you know, we don't get enough of it. And <laughs> this whole weekly thing is just not enough. I need new Trek every day. Every day. Yeah, actually, of course, I'm just kidding. But now that I say that, imagine if you're into soap operas, you know? I mean, they get five days a week. If I was a General Hospitals fan, I could watch General Hospital five days a week and get a new episode. That sounds ideal. So all we need for daily Star Trek is to to bring it down to the level of of a soap opera, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. On just, you know, those sets, they don't go anywhere because you have to just reuse the same sets over and over again. And then we'd have to podcast about it every day of the week. Wow. Okay, that actually has me curious now. Like, are there general hospital podcasts that put out a new episode every day? Like, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, but there might be. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to look into it. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to believe that that's the case. And wow, that's that's dedication. There you go. I remember years ago, I worked in an office where they would watch Days of Our Lives over lunch. And so we'd all sit in the same room together and it was on. So I started watching Days of Our Lives. And then like, then I wasn't working in that office anymore. I stopped watching it. And years later, I walked into another break room at another company I was at and they were watching Days of Our Lives. I'm like, it's the same storyline from three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're just making sure you didn't miss anything. (laughs) I guess. I need to go to the break room more often, see how things are going there with Sammy and everybody else on Days of Our Lives. Oh, there you go. Well, we're not here to talk about Days of Our Lives, but we are here to talk about Star Trek, which I'm very excited to do because we have a new episode of Prodigy, First Contact to talk about this week and we'll get to that but first we do have a bit of news that we want to share and uh yeah we have news of a new audio drama that's pretty cool uh an award nomination for star trek discovery and a new product coming from the fine folks at exo6 the makers of those 112th scale really detailed figures that just keep churning out these Things that I can't afford. But uh, first, let's talk about this audio drama. And we were just talking, Bruce, the other day about how the Star Trek book schedule is pretty non-existent for this year so far. We have one announced book coming in May, a Star Trek Picard novel by Una McCormick. But other than that, it's been pretty bare And then we get this announcement, and I am so stoked for this. A Star Trek Picard original audio drama starring Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan, and it's coming next month. 
I, well, first of all, it's a big surprise because it is coming next month. We're so used to getting announcements of something coming, a novel or a series or whatever. And it's like, oh, coming late, what, at 22 or like it's always months away. This is a month and a half away. Yeah, February 22nd. Yeah, so I was surprised to see this. Really, I think the date surprised me more than anything. I was like, wait, this is just next month. I mean, really, it's about a month away. I've been saying for years, oh, I wish they would do some audio dramas, you Mm -hmm. know? And I'm excited about this one, but I hope this takes off because what I would eventually like to see is audio dramas featuring former cast members of former shows that, you know, you can put them behind a mic. They can play the character that they played 20 years ago because we're just hearing their voice. Right. And, mm-hmm. and there's not the huge production costs is doing it on film. And I'd love to venture into that someday too. Absolutely. I mean, we've had a number of cast members return for, uh, animated series where they just have to record the voice already. I think we're up to, you know, Gates McFadden, John Delancey, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, and uh, more that I'm probably not thinking of, especially if you include the more minor characters. So that's pretty cool. Let's let's talk about this, this one for a little bit first, though, because uh, I'm really excited about this. It's written by Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson, and they've collaborated before on comic stories for IDW. Of course, and Kirsten Beyer, of course, being a a longtime Star Trek novelist and a writer in the writer's room of Discovery and Picard. The official synopsis sounds pretty cool, too. Here we go. Simon and Schuster and Star Trek.com are excited to announce a new original audio drama, Star Trek Picard, No Man's Land. Written and produced exclusively for audio and unavailable in any other format, No Man's Land is a fully dramatized Star Trek adventure featuring two beloved stars of the hit series Star Trek Picard in their iconic roles. Jerry Ryan is Seven of Nine and Michelle Hurd is Raffi. No Man's Land begins in the immediate aftermath of the stunning season one conclusion of Picard. While Seven of Nine and Raffi are enjoying some much-needed R&R in Raffi's remote hideaway, their downtime is interrupted by an urgent cry for help. A distant, beleaguered planet has enlisted the Fenris Rangers to save an embattled evacuation effort. As Seven and Raffi team up to rescue a mysteriously ageless professor whose infinity-shaped talisman has placed him in the deadly sights of a vicious Romulan warlord, they take tentative steps to explore the attraction depicted in the final moments of Picard Season 1. So this sounds pretty cool. I'm excited for some character development with the original actors, an original story by Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson, and also, I get to see Raffi's remote hideaway. I wonder if it's like a secret volcano lair. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe she has a mini-me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to delve deeper into these characters and their relationship that we may not get so far into in the series. But it's, yeah, these little side adventures, you know, because as we get into Star Trek Picard season two, it's going to be a storyline that takes place across the entire season. So it's nice to get these little one-off side stories that you're not going to get in the show. And it's interesting to me that Mike Johnson is writing for Simon Schuster because he's always been doing the comics on the IDW side. And, and of course, he's worked with Kirsten Beyer before on uh, comic stories. So I'm assuming, because we still don't have the official date 
for season two of Picard. I mean, the last we heard was February, but we don't know when in February. And with the discovery being pushed, you know, the last half of the season or whatever, I'm assuming we're looking maybe late February. So this may be coming out right before the season starts, which would be a nice bridge from season one to season two. Could be. Yeah, that would be interesting. And and yeah, with regards to Picard, with Discovery running into March, it's yeah, I'm not sure exactly when Picard will drop. But yeah, you're right. This could be very much a lead in to season two of that series. So it also doesn't just have Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd. There is a full cast attached to this as well, including Fred Tadashore from Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, John Cassier from Tales from the Crypt, and John Cutmore Scott from Deception. So uh, yeah, full voice cast to go along with this. It's gonna it's this isn't just like an audiobook read by a couple people. It is a full audio drama, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, because I remember getting audio dramas in Star Trek, the Captain Sulu Adventures, mm-hmm. and that was back, what, in the 90s, I think? Yeah. And yeah. there was the, I remember the Borg one, which was based on a video game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just remember the Captain Sulu ones, especially. Yeah, those are the ones I remember for sure. So, yeah, very excited for this. February 22nd, we'll be covering this, of course. I'm thinking we'll do a, a full book club episode about this yes absolutely 100 percent. well next up we have uh star trek discovery is nominated for a makeup guild award uh so you know the 2022 award season is starting up and we have our first nomination star trek discovery has been recognized by the makeup artists and hairstylists guild uh they're nominated uh for best special makeup effects for television so very deserved nomination i hope a win for discovery they've won emmys for their prosthetic makeup in 2019 and 2021 so uh you know this is something where star trek the modern star trek really excels and i'm going to predict right here right now that they're going to win this awesome i'm right there with you so this is recorded you have it to come back to and listen to the fact that we predicted that they're going to win because they did well well, you listen to this in the future, you know they did, but they haven't yet. The live ceremony is held at the Beverly Hilton Hotel on February 19th, and we'll know after that if they won this award. So really cool, and, and congratulations to the team behind Discovery. You very much deserve a win for this category. Do you think I could get into this award show? Because <laughs> I stay at the Beverly Hilton when I go to L.A. because it's right down the street from our office. And I haven't been in the office in forever since COVID. And I've been thinking about going back at some point. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should visit the office in February and I can stay at the Beverly Hilton. And, oh, I just happened to walk by the room and they let me right in. That's what I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you have one of two strategies to make this happen. One is, you know, wear a tux and get all ducked out and look like you're just supposed to be there and just march in. Two is get some like award winning makeup artist to do an incredible alien makeup thing for you. And you can just kind of like you could maybe even be on stage and people just be like, oh, there's there's an example of That's the work right. they're being awarded for. There we go. I'm. <laughs> I'm part of tonight's entertainment this evening. Thank you. Yeah, she got to let me in. Oh, I left my ticket upstairs. Or the or or my boss said I'm just supposed to come around the store and just tell you, 
you know, that I'm here for this. I, I don't have a ticket because I'm part of the entertainment. Exactly. Yeah, you could be that uh, that one alien that we see in the, the DMA conference in Discovery who looks like a big, either either like a big dandelion or maybe a COVID virus has <laughs> been compared to, to various. Uh, you could go as that guy. That, that would take a long time to put together. And how do you eat? Or drink anything, you know? At least a straw you can drink, but you can't really eat in that thing. Don't you want to just go up to that alien and just blow on them to see if it just all flies away like the dandelion stuff? Oh, I wonder <laughs> if that's like, oh, that that's like the worst insult in their society or something. I was just making a wish. No, Or maybe no, no, it's no. a sexual advance and you're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> So yeah, February 19th is when those awards are held and and we'll find out from Bruce if he's able to get in or not. Well, our final piece of news today, and, and this is one that like we talk a bit about products that are being released and stuff, and we've talked about the previous figures being released. So I figured why not give some airtime to the folks over at X06 who designed those crazy detailed Star Trek action figures that are way out of my price range, but but are so cool to look at. Uh, they've added Judge Q to the uh, upcoming figures line. And I know I say this for all of these that come out, but Bruce, look at that first picture on trekmovie.com where I'm getting this story from. Wow, is that ever a crazy, amazing likeness of John Delancey? Yeah, because of the lighting and everything and the shadows, it looks just like him. I'm like, oh, yeah. If you If you gave me that photo and said, this is a actual photo from the set of John Delancey, I'd probably believe you. Yeah, absolutely. And you you make a good point. Lighting and great photography does add a lot to it. But uh, this is a really detailed figure. It comes decked out in the judge's robes that he wore in Encounter at Farpoint and all good things. And yeah, just this remarkable likeness. As usual, a bunch of different hands to do a bunch of different motions that Q does, snapping his fingers, all that stuff. There's one where he's like pointing with his index finger. And I thought, wouldn't it have been fun if they gave you one with a middle finger? <laughs> Q just like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> By the way, I want to correct you. You said um, the robes done in Encounter Farpoint and all good things, but also in Lower Decks. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> You're right. Yep. He shows up there in them as well. And three other judges show up in them in the Voyager episode Q2, oddly enough. But uh, John Delancey doesn't wear them in that episode. But yeah, this is gorgeous. It's expected to ship this spring. It retails for two hundred and five dollars. Uh, it's pretty pricey, but if it is in your price range and you want to add this to your collection, uh, the pre-order is up until February 4th for a $20 non-refundable deposit. Uh, so yeah, these are very small windows in which you're able to pre-order these figures. So if you do want this one in your collection, check out the story on trekmovie.com that I'll link in the show notes and get your pre-order in. Well, I, I I probably won't get this, but I, I do want to hear from somebody who does or who gets these because I'd like to know. We see pictures and stuff, but I'd like to know someone who actually has them, where they display them. I don't know. Just like some more information. Well, let's talk Prodigy. And we're going to talk about the episode First Con-Tact right after this brief break. 
Thank you to you, our listeners, for supporting Positively Trek and to especially our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to contribute to Positively Trek and be a patron on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash positively trek. You'll get perks like early access to episodes and bonus content. And for those who are in the higher levels, you get shout outs and associate producer credits and much more. And speaking of shout outs, let's give a shout out to Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber. Thank you all for your support. Now let's go back to the show. We need to have a serious talk about first contact. Ah, where's her off switch? Starfleet's prime directive is to avoid interfering in the evolution of other intelligent species. These are the highest priority guidelines Starfleet abides by. I cannot stress enough that failure to adhere to these rules could have disastrous consequences, altering the fate of this civilization. We'll be careful not to interfere in their devolution. So we're up to episode seven of Star Trek Prodigy, and the episode title is First Contact with a hyphen in between the con and the tact. Now, I was reading online that the initial version that got put out on Paramount Plus had the title without the hyphen in it, and that they later were able to update it and change it to the correct title the ne- the following day. So, Bruce, how did you watch it? Did it have the right title or the wrong title on it? Well, I guess in what you're explaining here, it had the wrong title, because I do remember seeing it saying First Contact without the hyphen, Mm-hmm. in the you know credits of the show but i remember also seeing in the description of the show on the guide it had the hyphen and i thought oh the guide's probably wrong because i really don't understand why there would be a hyphen i still don't understand the hyphen and maybe you do and you can explain it to me but i was just like i'm not getting that but i guess that's just a typo so but then i've seen it other places online with the hyphen so this morning i watched prodigy again and it still did not have the hyphen in the credits oh interesting yeah because uh the article i read said that the correct version had been put to paramount plus on friday well today's saturday when i watched it and it did not have the hyphen because i i specifically was looking for it (laughs) yeah well here in canada on crave it had the hyphen right from the beginning which is interesting that yeah i'm not sure what happened but yeah i think it was either kevin or dan hageman was tweeting that the the corrected version would be put up right away or something like that but yeah so i was a little confused as to the title of the episode as well because memory alpha had it as just first contact because i guess they watched the version without it that article has now been changed. So, and they explain at the bottom exactly what the confusion was and stuff. So, so what's the hyphen mean? Like, I don't, I'm not getting it. Why hyphenate contact? What am I not getting? I think it, I, I could be wrong, but I, and I mean, maybe there's another explanation, but I think it's just a pun based on the character of Nandi and the word con is in like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that would make sense, yes. That's just a guess, though. So if somebody has a better explanation out there. Yeah, because yeah, cause she's a con. So this is the her their, their first con. or I, I guess not, not convict, but yeah, she conned them. So yeah. she's a confidence person. That makes more sense. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, this I'm, is, yeah. yeah, they're being conned for the first time, I guess. Yeah, no, it's def- yeah, definitely a pun on, of course, the... I, I've been noticing 
of course we're we're getting some punny titles with this and and i saw that i saw that they'd released the titles for the next few episodes and the next one is called time amok oh. so it's like a play on amok time got but it it's time amok so maybe a time travel thing mm, i don't know but maybe we'll get there next week but. so i i just went on to paramount plus and started the video again and i freeze framed it and it's still yeah see it doesn't have the hype oh interesting that's so weird that is very weird hmm. i'm gonna keep looking every day i'm gonna go and start playing it again just see if it shows up well we ended last week's episode with that kind of revelation of Captain Chicote and the former crew of the Protostar and the hologram Janeway's kind of confusion and realization that the current crew was not her first crew. And we start this episode with them kind of reflecting on that. And it's a little bit, you know, kind of down and they're a little kind of worried about what's going on. But at the same time, they've just found the transporter. I've been waiting for this for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about it in previous episodes. And yeah, they finally have found the transporter and are beaming uh, slices of pie around the ship. <laughs> I was a little confused at first when I watched it because they're beaming around the pie and then the pie is steaming hot or whatever. And Gwen eats it and says it's good. And I'm like, wait, are they beaming pie or are they also making pie? Like, I don't know what's <laughs> the deal with the pie. <laughs> yeah, they're just beaming it around. They're they're pretty clear that they're 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 beaming it around because they've just found the transporter, but they haven't tried it on a living person yet. But first, I want to say I think there's a Simpsons reference in this part of the episode. Whoa, what? Well, they're beaming the pie around, and Jankum Pog says, "Mmm, floor pie," when it's sitting on the floor. And there's an episode, I can't remember what the episode title is, but where Homer walks past the kitchen and there's a piece of pie in, on a plate sitting on the floor. And Homer goes, ooh, floor pie, and goes up to it and then gets caught in a trap. <laughs> ooh, floor pie. Oh my gosh. Wait. So yeah. Okay. So I just Googled it. Wow. I just watched it. It was like just a few seconds long. Yeah. So good call. That's a Simpsons <laughs> reference. I would not have known that. I think so. It, it was kind of in the back of my head. Like, where have I heard that before? And I did have to, I Googled floor pie and that's it. So I didn't remember it exactly, but the, it twigged something in my memory. <laughs> Yeah, no. Oh, man. I'm just waiting for the pig, spider pig, to show up in Prodigy. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, so they, they discover the transporter and they try it out on Murph because, you know, they they figure he's indestructible. So let's, let's give it a try. And uh, thank goodness he is seemingly indestructible because they beam him onto the outside of the ship. What are they doing? Wasn't that a uh, little disturbing? I mean, I thought it was funny, but at the same time, I'm like... They could have killed him, you yeah. know, because if they did somebody else, they would have beamed him into space. Yeah. Like, what if, I mean, you know, we've seen that he can swallow like a grenade or something and it blows up and he's fine. That doesn't necessarily mean he can survive in the vacuum of space. So I'm, I'm glad he can. That's good. That's good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good news. for Imagine in maybe in another timeline or universe he doesn't survive it. <laughs> and then the show gets canceled on nickelodeon because it went too far 
Uh, too dark, guys. Too dark. But of course, we get the the funny gag of of him sliding down the the window, and was it zero? Is like, oh, he just keeps going or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they just watch him slide, slide, <laughs> and cut. And then we go to the opening theme and the first contact or first contact title, whatever it is. But okay, since we're talking about transporters, let's let's dig into this. I don't know if you know where I'm going on this, but I did see someone point out online and I wondered this myself. The transport effect is very, very, very similar to what we see in the Kelvin timeline movies. Mm -hmm. And so this person online was wondering, could this be an interdimensional ship that's originally from the Kelvin timeline? Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) And rewatching it today, I kept that in mind because every transporter effect was that same type of Kelvin timeline transporter effect. And I, I started to wonder myself. Wow. I, I mean, I'm going to go on record and say, I hope not, <laughs> but interesting. Like there's so many things going on. There's the, the timeline aspect of it, where, what time is the ship from? And, you know, it was 17 years ago that it was there, but it seems to be, a, have futuristic technology and, and information in it. And now this throws another interesting kind of wrench into it. So they're really, yeah, I, I'm really not sure where the ships from or what's going on i hope that's a mystery that gets answered at some point but uh yeah interesting more questions raised for sure well even the chakotay made me think you know the, having a different uniform when that question of could the ship be from the kelvin timeline i thought well is this the chakotay from a kelvin timeline and that's why the uniform's different like all of a sudden mm. all these things are running through my head i but at the same time it's like but you know what we saw last week with the Kobayashi Maru test, obviously looks more prime timeline because we have the right. Spock and Uhura and the Brit, you know. So I, I'm not saying it's from the Kelvin timeline, but it does make you wonder. It's like there's all these mixed messages. And that's that's one problem I'm having with Prodigy, the series itself, is I feel like I'm getting mixed messages. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, maybe there's answers to these in a resolution at least i'm hoping for i mean perfect example since we're talking about the transporters if dow has never seen a transporter so amazed by this and let's try this and let's try that then when he sees his ferengi mom says we'll transport you over to the ship that he grew up on which means they Mm. have transporters on the ship he grew up on and i'm like why would he be surprised about transporters if that ship had transporters that's a good point (laughs) i never thought of that Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So she's like, what What was the little device? Pickpock. Pickpock will transport you over, is what she said. Well, we do know that Pickpock replaced Dal on the ship. So maybe they didn't have transporters until then? I don't know. But it's a Frangi ship and Frangi have transporters. So yeah, yeah I don't or know. Or maybe the transporters never worked when Dal was on the ship and they got repaired later and so that's why he wasn't fit but at the same time he would at least know what transporters are because yeah. it's there just doesn't work i don't know i those things that's what i'm saying when i watch prodigy and then it i'm sorry i'm jumping ahead on things but i'm like why is there a ferengi in the gamma quadrant <laughs> <laughs> like I, i'm there's so many things that i keep questioning and i'm like maybe i'm looking into this too much 
but I'm hoping there's answers to that kind of stuff. But it's that's a lot of there's a lot of questions I have out there that I can't imagine all getting answered. Yeah, maybe with Doll, maybe he just never got to play with a transporter before. I don't know. I'm just trying to stretch things. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I do too. <laughs> I think about all these things. Maybe they didn't work, or yeah, maybe he never saw them operate. Maybe I even thought, well, maybe he didn't grow up on the ship. But then it was like, oh no, he did because he went to his old room. So he did. Mm-hmm. He did serve or or lived on this ship. And yeah, all those things run through my mind. Well, let's talk about Nandi a little bit. Cause we've kind of jumped up to there. We, we get a Ferengi, Damon Nandi, this uh, Ferengi who apparently raised doll. And this is one of those things that like, I think because this is a show geared more towards kids and, and storytelling shortcuts and stuff, I'm just going to have to kind of get over, but, this is a huge coincidence that they come across her ship and it's the person who just happened to raise doll and stuff. Like neither of them were looking for the other. They just kind of happened to cross each other. Cause space is small space. Yeah. Very <laughs> small universe syndrome here. Now that said, it's not even close to the level of coincidence of Kirk being beamed down to a planet near Vulcan just like a mile away from where Spock was left in Star Trek 2009. So this stuff has happened before, but I feel like the frequency of it is probably a little higher in a show like this. And it's something that I just kind of have to get used to as a storytelling thing that, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I'm just going to have to get used to that. (laughs) Yeah. I had those same thoughts too. I was like, wow, that really is a coincidence. And even Dow kind of says that too, you know, but Mm -hmm. at the same time I thought, well, Maybe in this sector of space, there really aren't many ships around. Or And that's because, remember, the distress signal came from Nandi, and it they were the only, Prodigy was the only ship in range and receiving. <laughs> Another sig- Star Trek concept exactly. we're introducing to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean the ships are close either, you know. It could be they're that's very true, yeah. far apart, and there's just, you know, this vastness of space and very little ships in that region anyway. So, yeah. But then I was like, Again, why is there Ferengi in the Gamma Quadrant? And I thought, well, could have gone through the Bajoran wormhole, right? And mm-hmm. goes back and forth often. And Dow could have been in Federation space often growing up, but just wasn't that familiar with the Federation because they were always going to Frankenard or something. You know, I don't know. No. Questions, questions, questions. That's all I have is questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully they get answered, but uh, yeah, we'll see for sure. So they they get together with Nandi and Dahl sees his, you know, old bunk, like you said, and all this stuff. And so Nandi says there's this crystal on this planet that she wants and they've never encountered people from space before, other species and Dahl and the Protostar crew are going to kind of initiate first contact with them. And this is where we get the introduction of the idea of the prime directive to these characters who have never heard this before. Of course, Starfleet and the Federation follow General Order 1, which says, you know, no contact with pre-warp civilizations and limit your effect on the development of, of cultures and that sort of thing. But uh, they definitely, definitely break the prime directive in this episode. And that was one thing I was like, at the very end of the episode, when the holographic Janeway tells them, 
you broke the prime directive. And the way she said that, I was like, whoa, that feels heavy. (laughs) I wonder if like some admiral said that to Kirk in that tone. Like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you broke the prime directive. I mean, I have two, but you know, um, (laughs) you knew this time was coming, right? I mean, how else do you introduce the prime directive to a non Starfleet crew and to an audience of young people on Nickelodeon by the best way to introduce the prime directive is by violating the prime directive. So you can learn why the prime directive is in place. Right. So Mm -hmm. this episode was necessary to get that message across. And like you said, I mean, we've seen it in other Star Trek series too, like with Kirk and such, and we learn from those lessons and that's, that's what happens here. So I'm glad they got to it at this point in didn't wait till later i think this is the right time to introduce that in the series yeah i i think it worked really well it was a great illustration of what happens if you ignore the prime directive and and insinuate yourself into other cultures and you know you can do horrible damage without realizing what you're doing is destructive and that sort of thing so yeah i think that worked really well personally well and it's important too because if a new audience of kids is watching this and this is their first star trek the prime directive really is that foundation of what star trek is you know because you could watch star trek and go oh yeah they're on a ship and they go around to different planets and you're thinking well they can basically do whatever they want to do they're not evil so they're not going to do anything mean but they can go around and visit aliens and you're like no 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 it's not that simple You know, it's not just about going and do whatever you want and visiting whoever you want. There's certain rules, there's protocols, because there's an effect to what you do when you introduce yourself to someone new. And so it's good that it's at least in the seventh episode here, because it's early enough that we're learning more about the Federation and Starfleet. And this this is the the big thing that you need to get across this early in the series. Well, of course, the, the I got to say the the species they meet on this planet, very, very cool. I love the kind of visualization of them and the things we learn about the species, how they communicate, how they build. And then when they're finally revealed in that chamber with the crystals and stuff, just gorgeous imagery that kind of shows uh, how they operate and how they live and stuff. I thought this was a perfect use of the animation style of Prodigy. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of having animation is that we can go much further than they could in the 1960s doing the original Star Trek series. Everything had to be a set. Now, you know, with animation... And even with the animated series, it gave them free reign to just really do things that are otherworldly that you couldn't do on a real set. And then, you know, we can now do this with animation, with computer graphics and live action. So I really appreciate that the creators of these new series are taking advantage of the technology they have, and especially in the animated content that they're saying, hey, we don't have to look like TNG. We don't have to look like TOS or whatever. We can actually make it so otherworldly and see that the walls move and the sand flies around and things they couldn't do in it. Because that's more of what you would probably see on other planets than just, you know, a Roman guy standing there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the Old West sets that just have the... Yeah. Right, (laughs) exactly. exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, just gorgeous. Just absolutely gorgeous. And also, I have to credit the writing this week as well. One thing that I really enjoyed that I thought was interesting was the character of Zero and how, as kind of a proxy for the audience, is observing Dahl and seeing that, like, you know, when he's going along with this plan of Nandi's, he's conflicted. And we can see that, of course, through the how he's animated and how he's acting and speaking and stuff. But I actually really liked that they had Zero kind of just meta commenting on it for the audience. Like, Dal, I sense that you're conflicted about this and you're not really sure about this. And I'm, I don't know, you know, I, I kind of like that. Like it was, you know, maybe some people watching like, like us or whoever maybe don't need that spelled out, but I like that it's there for, you know, people who maybe aren't picking up those cues and are, are like the younger people watching that maybe don't realize what that look on Dahl's face might mean or something like that. That Zero is there to kind of bring them along. I like that. Yeah, Zero's the more mature character that can make those observations that may not work with the other characters because they're younger. I, of course, we don't know the age of Zero. Yeah, and of course, Janeway can fill that role too when Janeway's around, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I'm, I really like Zero. Zero just feels like the Star Trek character you need in this series to really make it feel like Star Trek. I'm I'm waiting for like the breakout zero episode, you know, like they've had some cool moments throughout episodes and, and parts that I loved, but I want like a big focus on zero at some point because there's just such a cool character. There's got to be something where someone sees zero, the real zero outside oh, of the casing, yeah. you know, and goes mad. That's got to happen at some point. I'm not saying oh. our crew members, but it could be a, like a villain or something, you know, whatever. Some, somebody sees Zero in that manner. And I was just thinking, I don't know why these things hit my head at random times, but I want to hook Zero up with number one because then they would be a binary couple. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Zero and one, get it? Uh, yeah, uh, 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 that's a, uh, Yep. <laughs> That's my dad joke for the day, everyone. Thank you very much. Come back again. I love it. I love it. Well, speaking of villains, Damon Nandi now was kind of a a parental figure for Dahl. And boy, does she ever just kind of do the, the vamping bad guy thing at the end when she talks about how she didn't lose doll she sold him into slavery and and got a new partner and all this stuff and just kind of lays bare just how cruel and horrible she is and boy was that ever uh i mean you you saw it coming she's obviously not a good person throughout the episode and, and just not very moral or upstanding but boy does she ever just like shatter Dahl's view of his childhood in those few seconds. I really, really felt for Dahl in this episode. And she took so much glee in it. Like, she's so proud of it, you know? Oh, I just sold you. Of course, you know, hey, I did that. Look at me. Ha! Gotcha. You know, it's like, Uh. oh, you're not a very nice person. And I mean, like like I said, she was making him sleep under the engine and, and all this stuff. Like, it was obvious that you know, she wasn't good, wasn't a good person to begin with. But like, talk about taking a character who has had very little good in his life and just like snatching away the last little bit that 
maybe was good up until he found these fine folks and and the protostar and stuff oh man poor doll (laughs) well and then you know what you're saying about keeping him under the engine and the way she treated him going back to our early conversation about the transporters yeah maybe he was never in that section of the ship where the transporters were and you know because he was always kept you know by the engines you know it's almost like i'm thinking about harry potter you know living yeah exactly under the (laughs) stairs he may not harry potter never may have never been allowed to go upstairs you know, and so never saw the upstairs. And maybe that's how it is with Dahl. Dahl wasn't even allowed on the upstairs part of the ship. And that's where the transport, he never went on missions with her or anything. I wonder how long he was under her, her reign of being this motherly figure. Yeah, that's a good question for sure. Well, the other aspect of the show that we get a little bit at the end is, is Janeway investigating this recording of her and Chakotay and the ship being boarded. And she finally decides to zoom in on the door to see what's coming through the door. And we get the uh, revelation that it's Dreadnought, the robot henchman of the Diviner. So that's what was invading the ship in that clip. So uh, more to come on that, I'm sure. I don't know much more to say about that other than kind of expected, I guess. I kind of thought that maybe that's what was invading the ship, that it was the Diviner or his forces as it as it appears. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Not really, except for the fact that obviously, well, they've been on the ship before, so it's not some foreign object that they've always been pursuing and never found, right? So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they didn't get to obtain the ship, but have been on the ship. So... Yeah, I'd like to see more about that. And of course, the revelation at the end that uh, Nandi finds out that there's a bounty on the head of of the crew of the Protostar put out by the Diviner, and and now she's going to be out there hunting them as well. So, oh man, they're building up a a list of bad guys after them, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, which means we'll see her again. Yep, for sure. I do have to say, like, as horrible as she was, like, she was really well played by Gray Griffin. Uh, I really enjoyed the performance and stuff. You know, a good villain is a villain you love to hate. And boy, did I love to hate her. (laughs) Yeah, especially taking all the crystals and... Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, and then telling Da, oh, I sold you. And it's like, okay, you're a piece of crap, you know? (laughs) No. (laughs) But hey, we got our revenge. We got the crystal back and she's left with nothing. Yeah, that was a great moment. I don't know how she didn't notice the com badge attached to the crystal but that's okay (laughs) right because isn't her hand even touching it when she's holding the crystal Uh, it's like almost like wait wait i feel something on the side here you know yeah and again yes it's a cartoon or it's fiction and sometimes you have to just allow certain things to happen to happen but still it's like what if she would have pulled that out of her bag and the com badge was on the side facing her she would have immediately just taken off and dow's plans would have just gone to crap (laughs) yeah absolutely so luckily it was on the other side when she pulled it out of her bag (laughs) yeah very lucked out there for sure so i wonder if we're going to see this species again on this planet because they've now left behind a communicator i know i wondered that too 
And if they don't, if nothing's ever utilized from that piece of information, then there needs to be some movie in the future that goes back to this planet. Just like, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, when they came out with the Wrath of Khan, they're watching episodes mm. and it's like, oh, what if we ever were to return and see how, and it's like, oh, that's an idea for a movie. Somebody's going to watch Prodigy one day and go, the communicator was left behind. Nothing was done with that. <gasps> that's an idea for a movie, you know? There you go. <laughs> or an audio drama. or a novel or a comic or whatever (laughs) so final thoughts on first contact yeah one thing i want to mention real quick just i just said novels just a little side note the 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 stuff that's used for the cloaking device did you see david max post on facebook that that came the what the chimerium that's used is from his novels or from the sce novel yeah, we've uh, and we've talked about that in a past episode because Chimerium was what they were mining on Tars Lamora. That's right. Is, yeah, which is why they have it on the Protostar. Okay, um, I wasn't sure yeah. if we ever talked about that before. Okay, good. So my final thoughts on this episode are better the second time than the first time because as as I was watching this morning, I was thinking this is my least favorite episode of the series. Doesn't mean that it's bad. I might even just still say it's my least favorite, but I think the first time I watched it, just so you know, I had a long day. I was and I was at the office for two days, not the one in LA, the one in Atlanta. But uh, and that was followed by business dinners and drinks and all this stuff for two days. So by the time I got home after the second, it was late at night and I had the munchies and I just really want to watch Prodigy. I was so tired. And after I watched it, I was like, I only remember half of it. (laughs) So this morning I watched, I was like, oh, this is better than I thought. And oh, I forgot this part. And now it was like I was fresher. So that's all I'm saying is sometimes when you watch something, you got to know what state of mind you are at the time. So the first time I watched, I was not in a good state of mind to retain what I just watched. So this time I watched it and I'm going to say that, yeah, it's probably my least favorite of the seven episodes, but it's not, it's not that it's bad. It's just, I wasn't, I'm not, I didn't like it as much as the others. That's all I want to say. Maybe because the Ferengi drives drove me crazy and i had a lot of questions i'm like wait why is this and wait why are we doing that and stuff i don't know so i'm gonna give this one four out of five com badges that were not found that were hidden on a crystal i think i'm pretty much there with you with regards to this episode i had the same thought uh i was pretty tired when i watched it but at the same time like i i was i was into it i enjoyed it and picked up on a lot of stuff and uh but yeah, it wasn't quite up to the level of some of the previous episodes. I couldn't say exactly why. It it did get much better, I think, in the second half when we get to the planet and see the aliens and, and do all that stuff. But initially, like you, I'm kind of like, why is there a Ferengi there? Oh, that's a big coincidence that, okay, that's kind of weird. And I wasn't just as into it at the beginning as I was previous episodes. But that said, it's a very great episode is important for laying groundwork, I think for what's to come, which is, you know, a lot of what we've been saying about episodes recently and stuff. So yeah, I I think it's definitely an important episode where I'm sure we're going to see these characters, this one character in particular again, so I am going to give it, I think, like a 3.75 all points bulletins on the USS Protostar out of five. <laughs> there you go. 
in the Kelvin timeline or the prime timeline? <laughs> I'm not getting into that. I don't, I don't, I personally am going to say, I don't think there's anything to do with the Kelvin timeline with this series. That's my guess. Yeah. And going back to that transporter effect, it could be that what we see in the Kelvin timeline is a more advanced transporter in that timeline that we don't get until the prime time line later, like that same type of technology. Yeah. I don't know that you know, getting too deep into it is what I'm doing. I mean, and that said, like the, the transporters in the first season of discovery kind of looked like the Kelvin timeline effect as well. So yeah. 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 I think it's just, they picked an effect they kind of liked and went yeah. with it. I like this style because there's so many transporter effects that we can choose from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear what our listeners think about this episode. Please reach out to us, positivelytrek at gmail.com or positivelytrek on Twitter. And of course, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Just search for that on Facebook. We will let you in. You have to answer some questions and agree to the rules, but we'd love to have you join the discussion. Bruce, if people want to talk to you about Prodigy or anything else Star Trek related, where can they do that? Well, you know, you can always go to Twitter and find me there. I'm at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And I'm also on Facebook. So just search for Bruce Gibson and you can find me in our discussion group on Facebook, which is always a lot of fun. And I'm also on Goodreads. Look for me there because we also have a Goodreads group there that we can discuss the comics and the novels and we show what's coming up on upcoming episodes of the book club. Awesome. We'll have to get No Man's Land into the schedule there at some point when, when it's coming out. I'm excited for that. That's yes, so cool. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. I need to look at the schedule and fit that in before we forget. Oh, awesome, Bruce. Thank you so much for all your hard work with the, the book club schedule. You're, you're so good with that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And I'm just going to make a plug for it one more time, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Well, thank you all so much for listening this week. We will see you again in next week's episode when we talk about the Prodigy episode Time Amok. And uh, until then, as always, stay positive. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.